All right, good morning once again. Welcome to Hope and Anchor Church. We are going to spend some time now in the Bible, in Scripture. And uh, this is one of my favorite opportunities that we have each week uh, to avail ourselves to the living and active Word of God. Uh, I know you've probably found this to be the case, but you know, here we have a collection of writings from um, at least 2,000 years ago, almost. Uh, yet they're so timely. I mean, how many times do you go to the Word and it's like you read something and you're, you kind of step back and think, He knows. <laughs> you know, He knew what I was going through. You know, it's like this Word, you know, the Holy Spirit of God came and spoke to me through these words from so long ago into my situation. The words I needed to hear to help calibrate my thinking, correct my, 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 my faulty thinking, correct my self-destructive behavior. I mean, it's like so many times God is, God's faithfulness shows up through His Word. And I've been doing this a long time, you know, slaving over a hot Bible, and I'm still struck by that. Anyone else? I mean, you're just like, you go to the Word and you find it's like, what? This is remarkable. This is odd that God seemed to meet me in this way today. So maybe He'll do that with us here this week. How good, how good would that be? Um, as you know, oh, oh, let me say this part. Uh, today's, today we're continuing in our Rock of Ages series, our learning adventure with the Apostle Peter. And uh, we're reaching the end of uh, his first letter, end of uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, today's message is week number 23, and it's called Big Gulp. Big Gulp. Some weeks I struggle with this, the title of my message, and this was one of them. So what you get is Big Gulp. I should have done Big Gulps, huh? But it's just Big Gulp. So, there it is. Uh, you may know this, uh, we don't watch a lot of television at our house. We don't even have a TV in the house. Uh, but, so what we do watch, we watch on a laptop. And it's usually a British crime drama, right? Sometimes, however, uh, we watch other things. And at the time of this writing, which was in 2022, my wife and I had taken a brief hiatus. We had taken a brief hiatus from British crime dramas to watch another season of a, of a reality show called Alone. Has anyone watched a reality show called Alone? Okay. Uh, Alone is a reality show where 10 contestants are sent into a remote part of the wilderness to see who can survive the longest. Why? For cash. If they do, they get a bunch of money. They get money. In this season that we were watching, the survivalists had been sent to live on the shores of Chilco Lake in British Columbia, Canada. Now, in addition to stunning mountain vistas, turquoise water, and scenic forests, there are lots and lots of bears. Lots of bears. Grizzly bears, specifically. The Chilcotin Mountains of British Columbia are home to one of the world's largest grizzly bear populations. In fact, uh, bears versus people, the bears far outnumber the humans. So in addition to the usual challenges of primitive survival like finding food and water, building a shelter, starting a fire, staying warm, the contestants must also be aware of and on the lookout for the bears. Always the bears. Everything the contestants do and don't do is in consideration of bears. 
So every other survival decision they make is made up against the backdrop of the presence and reality of bears. Well, how I'm going to do what I need to do, I need to consider the fact that there might be bears. Or how I do this might attract bears. So uh, everything's about the bears. Uh, everything they do is in consideration of the bears. They, they always carry with them uh, bear spray and they always have devices like bells or other things that are making noise. As they're moving through the forest, as they're going about their chores and their tasks, they're always making noise because the last thing you want to do, the second to last thing you want to do actually, the first thing you don't want to do is make yourself smell like salmon. But the second thing is you don't want to surprise a bear. Like sneak up on it when it's like doing its own thing and you're like, oh hey, <laughs> fancy meeting you here, bear. They don't take kindly to being surprised. They don't like it. They turn and they attack sometimes. So you want to make a, a bell sound. You want to be walking through the woods like, hey bear, hey bear, I'm not dinner. I'm Hey bear, you want to make sure they know you're there. So anywhere they go, they carry bear spray as a constant reminder. They're making noise and that noise constantly reminds them there are bears around. So they, the contestants, they must not cook in their shelter. Why? Why would you not want to cook in your shelter? Yeah, where you're sleeping smells like dinner, right? That's not good. Don't, don't cook in your shelter. Uh, you, you need to hang your food at night in the trees. Uh, bear bagging is what it's called. And they have to be on alert when walking through the woods and along the shores. In the wilds of Chilcotin, humans are not the apex predator. They are not the top of the food chain. And if you've never been in a situation like that, I can tell you it's, it's, it's somewhat unsettling to know that you're not on top of the food pyramid anymore. You're not the apex predator. You could easily become not the hunter, but the hunted. That does something to you. It messes with your mind that you're not the hunter, but you could be the hunted. Grizzly bears have an incredible sense of smell. So any cooking can attract them from miles away. And they are willing. They are willing to come and take your food. They have no qualms about this. They have no personal space issues. They will come without asking and just take your stuff. And they'll make a giant mess in the process. They'll come and take your food if they want. Um, so in everything they do, the contestants always have grizzly bears in the back of their mind and they're always on the lookout for that threat. Um, if things get too hairy, the contestants do have an emergency radio. They can call frantically sometimes for help, for evacuation, but if they call, they're done. They have to be out of the game. Okay, so they carry an emergency radio for rescue. Even though the contestants feel very isolated, they are never very far from help. The other contestants and the rescuers are closer than the contestants think. If you could really see behind the curtain, basically, you'd see that they're really not that isolated. They just feel like they are. Rescue is not that far away. But here's the thing. When a grizzly bear is in the camp, I imagine that help seems miles away. It can never come fast enough when a grizzly bear is on the prowl, when a grizzly bear is in camp. So always vigilant. This always vigilant mindset that we find among the contestants of alone, 
um, regarding bears is very similar to the mindset that the Apostle Peter commends to us in 1 Peter chapter 5. Like the bears stalking the forests of the Chilcotin, a lion is prowling around the place we are living out our, in which we are living out our faith in Jesus. There is a predator on the prowl in the life of faith. The enemy, called Satan, is daily at work. He is daily at work seeking to tempt, to deceive, to harm, and to destroy all who follow Jesus Christ, the victorious one. So as Peter is wrapping up his first letter, he gathers in all that he has said before in the previous chapters, reminding his readers to be clear-minded and to be steadfast. To be clear-minded and steadfast in their faith. Peter has had much to say about persecution and about the difficulties his Christian brothers and sisters may face in living in the way of Jesus. But they must not misinterpret these things. In fact, they should understand that, the suffer that suffering for Jesus' sake is actually the mark of identification with Him. Remember, we've talked about this, that suffering for Christ's sake actually identifies you more and more deeply with Him, and it will lead to your more and more sharing in His glory in the kingdom. So there's this promise underlying those times when we uh, are suffering for Jesus, when we're being persecuted because of the name of Christ. There is a promise that you are being more identified with Him, and you will share more in His suffering, in His glory, when His kingdom comes. Here, Peter wants his readers to be aware. The enemy is real, but your salvation through faith in the risen King Jesus is secure. Your destiny cannot be shaken. Let me read that again. Peter wants to leave us with this. The enemy is real, but your salvation through faith in the risen King Jesus is secure. Is that, that's good news. Yeah, there's risk, there's danger out there, but nothing the enemy can do against us, no attack he can launch against us will shake us because our faith is secure in Jesus and our destiny cannot be taken from us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So Peter would say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, but do not forget, he is in the world. So be sharp, pay attention, stay alert. N.T. Wright explains it this way, The thing about recognizing the existence and power of the devil and learning to see him behind not only temptations to sin, but also persecution and suffering, is that this enables you to take the position which the rest of the letter has been advocating. So what he's saying here is like, hey, understand what God's up to, understand what the enemy is up to. And this helps frame the why of all the other things he's talked about, do not lose perspective in the midst of suffering. Understand that we are further identified with Christ when we walk in His steps and we suffer like He suffered. Don't lose hope. So this thing uh, helps frame that. So as we read 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8-11, through 11, let's stand with our fellow believers in the first century and hold in tension the vigilance and the hope that Peter commends to us all. If you're writing this down, you can write down those two words. Vigilance and hope. These are the things we must hold on to, hold in tension, our vigilance and our hope. So turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Stay alert. 
Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God has called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. So from the start, Peter grabs our attention in this passage. What's he start with? Watch out. Stay alert. Pay attention. Why this sense of urgency? And here it is, situated at the end of his letter. He's like, hey, do not miss this. You may have dozed, you may have drifted a little bit, but know this. Watch out. you got to know this. Stay alert. Peter has seen firsthand the enemy's tactics. Peter has seen firsthand the enemy's activity during his time with Jesus, during his time with his fellow disciples, and now during his time with the church. He has seen the havoc that the enemy has caused and can cause. Much persecution, harassment, and suffering, and even death has afflicted his fellow believers. And he clearly understood the spiritual realities behind it all. N.T. Wright further explains, For most of the time in this letter, we have, seen, we have been aware of persecution coming from the surrounding non-Christian culture. Part of it will have been unofficial, simply involving ordinary people sneering, criticizing, ostracizing, or using occasional violence. Some of it, though, will have been official, as the local authorities took a hand and made life difficult for the Christians. How easy it will have been, as it still is, for the Christians then to demonize their visible human opponents to regard them as the real source of the problem. Not at la now at last we see this isn't the case. Okay, we as believers are growing in our understanding and our wisdom. We start to see through the physical representations of that enemy's work, through those physical manifestations of, of, of evil and oppression, to start to see the real culprit, that it's the enemy, the, the, the accuser. Hasatan, Satan is behind these things, the great lion who's prowling around. So, catch yourself if you find yourself demonizing simply the visible human opponents that you disagree with or that have brought pain into your life and understand that behind them stands the great enemy, Satan. Behind all the societal factors, behind all the human antagonism, there is a lion as Peter describes it, a lion that is on the prowl looking to devour. Now, the word here for devour in, in the original language uh, actually implies eat you with one big gulp. That's where the title comes from. The like, lay claim to you, pounce on you, and just devour you in one big gulp. Not gnaw on you, not like nipping at your heels. No, come and like, gone. Devour you in one big gulp. No chance to resist. No opportunity to fight back. He is waiting. And you've seen this. You've seen your cat do this probably. But this is how lions do it too. They wait patiently for the, just the right moment when you're isolated, when you're vulnerable, and when there's the least likelihood of escape. And then they pounce. And it's all over. They go in for the kill immediately. 
And that's what the enemy does, and that's what Peter wants us to understand. He's looking to devour you, to consume you, to destroy you in one big gulp with no chance to resist and no chance to fight back. So be aware of those times when you're vulnerable. Know when you're weak. Know when you are a sitting duck, spiritually speaking, for the enemy. Because that's when that lion is on the prowl, most likely in your life, looking to devour you. Peter says we can identify Satan by his character and by his activity. We can tell it's Satan by, what he, by, by how he is and by what he's doing. Matthew Henry, our 17th century Welsh pastor, friend, and fellow traveler, comes to our aid here, pointing out that this enemy is, quote, more cruel and restless than ever the worst of men. He is more cruel and restless than ever the worst of men. With Matthew Henry as our guide, first he leads us to understand that first we can spot Satan by his character and by his names in three ways. And if you look at verse 8, this is what he's talking about. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So first, he is our great enemy and our adversary, eternally opposed to the work of God. He is the father of all lies. If you survey scripture, he's got several titles that none of which are flattering. He's the father of all lies. Lying is his native tongue. He stands eternally opposed to God. He is the great enemy, the adversary. Matthew Henry says, That adversary of yours, not a common adversary, but an enemy that impledes you and litigates against you in your grand depending cause and aims at your very souls. Ultimately, the enemy's goal is not to make you sad, not to make you uncomfortable. His ultimate aim is to what? Destroy your very soul. That's what he's after. Think about Job. That's like the first time uh, the accuser shows up, Hasatan shows up and says, hey, let me tempt Job. Is it that, that, that Satan wanted to just afflict Job? That he wanted Job to suffer? That he wanted Job to be miserable? No, he states, his, he states his aim. He's like, do this, and he will turn his back on you. He will deny you, and he will abandon you. This, the, Satan wanted to destroy Job's soul. Not his body, not his family, not his kid. He wanted to destroy Job's very soul. And that is where he failed. So, he is our great enemy and our adversary. Secondly, Matthew Henry points out, he is the devil. He is the, the grand accuser of all the brethren. This title is derived from a word that signifies to strike through or stab. He would strike malignity into our natures and poison into our souls. Wow, he is the devil looking to come and stab you and place poison in your soul. Thirdly, he is a roaring lion. Henry says he is hungry, he is fierce, strong and cruel, the fierce and greedy pursuer of your soul. So I think what Matthew Henry wants us to take away from this is like this lion is hungry for your soul. In pursuit of your soul, he's going to bring misery, he's going to bring betrayal, he's going to bring suffering, loss, and even death to your body, but his ultimate aim is your soul. 
And in Christ, that's the one thing he can't get. He can't have it, but he's after it. Over and over again until he is vanquished, finally and forever. Secondly, we recognize Satan's activity among us. So we know that he's the enemy, the adversary, the devil, and a roaring lion. But what is he doing? Matthew Henry tells us he walks about seeking whom he may devour. Remember, one gulp. His whole design is to devour and destroy souls. To this end, he is unwearied and restless in his malicious endeavors, for he always, night and day, goes about studying and contriving who he may ensnare to their eternal ruin. Crikey, no one can read Matthew Henry and feel like, why is he beating around the bush here? Why is he not coming right to the point about what he thinks the enemy's up to? No, 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 he does. He does. He, to this end, the enemy, Satan, is unwearied and restless in his malicious endeavors, for he always, night and day, goes about studying you and contriving whom he may ensnare to their eternal ruin. Cripes are mighty. He's studying us. I tell people, I've, when I was a youth pastor, I had a lot of students ask, like, um, you know, are we powerless against the devil? You know, can we be possessed by a demon or something? And it's like, no, no, no. You know, you need to understand, Satan is not God. He does not share the attributes of God. Satan is a created being. He was an archangel, uh, the Word tells us. He's a created being. He is not omnipotent, which means what? all-powerful. He's not omniscient, which means all-knowing. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere all the time. But the one thing the enemy has going for him is time. From before the foundation of the world, whenever God created the angels, the hosts of heaven, from that time, from the rebellion and the fall, he has been attentively studying humankind. He has been studying you. And he knows. He doesn't know the future, but he knows our habits. He knows our patterns and our behaviors. He knows our weak spots. He knows the angles of attack that work most effectively against us, against you. And that's where he lurks. And that's where he will attack. So, I love what Henry says here, Matthew Henry. He's malicious. He's restless, unwearied and restless in his malicious endeavors, where he always, night and day, goes about studying and contriving whom he may ensnare to their eternal ruin. Once we've equipped, once we are equipped to identify the enemy, how are we then to respond? Well, we must realize it is our duty to, as Peter tells us, stand firm and be strong in our faith. And remember, we are not alone in our difficulties and in our dangers. Read verse 9. Stand firm against him, the enemy. And be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. I love those two points he makes, though. Stand firm against the devil and be strong in your faith. So look out and look in. Look out and look in, okay? Uh, in our outward behavior, when we're on the lookout for the works of the enemy, we are to be sober-minded. We are to always be alert to the enemy, careful not to give sin a, a foothold in our life, because when we do, we attract and we invite the attack of that prowling lion. Okay, yes, we are forgiven in our sins, past, present, and future through faith in Jesus. However, when we return to that poisoned well of our sin habits, 
We're opening the door. We're creating a foothold for the enemy to come and do a destructive work in our lives. This is where the enemy that prowls around like a lion will come to attack. So, be sober-minded, always alert to the enemy, careful not to give a sin, sin a stronghold. So, in, in Alone, the show, don't cook in your shelter. Okay? Uh, leave, don't leave your food lying around. Prevent attacks. So, on your walk with Jesus, prevent attacks. Don't cook in your shelter. Don't leave your food lying around. Okay, does this make sense? Know how the enemy is going to attack, so prevent those avenues for attack. So that's our outward behavior. In our inward devotion, what ought we be doing? Well, Peter would tell us, cling to Scripture. Go to the Word. Hide it in your heart. Pursue a robust, maturing faith that is built on the strong, strong foundation of Jesus Christ. Be disciplined in prayer and in self-control. So with our friends in Chilcotin, they carry pepper spray. They carry noise grenades. They are always prepared to defend themselves. And we too, as we go out into the world, uh, we, we look to the Word. We hide that in our heart. We do all that, we, all that is necessary to be prepared to prevent those attacks. And then uh, lastly, in our shared life of faith, we realize that we are not alone in our struggle. I think sometimes the greatest work of the enemy in the fellowship is to make you feel like trash and a unique piece of trash at that. <laughs> like, how do, I can't believe you would sin like that. No one else sins like that. <laughs> you are such a failure. You're a pathetic, what a pathetic loser. You know, it's like no one else, everyone else here has it figured out. Why are you the only one still screwing up here? Why are you the only one still falling for this? You're the only sinner in that group. Has anyone ever felt that way? Like you're the exception to the rule? Like you're the one that can't get it right? Peter wants us to realize like, we all mess up, guys. We're all sinners. We all need Jesus. Lean on each other. The attacks of the enemy are coming upon us all in their various forms. At least be honest about that. Draw strength from each other. Hold tightly to each other. Because you're not alone. You're not alone in the struggle. And we are to find solidarity, strength, and resolve among the faithful. And guys, I don't know, the church isn't very good at that sometimes. We can be in crowded loneliness. That's a condition, right? We can be in a state of crowded loneliness in our life in general, but in the church too, and that ought not be. We are to bear each other's burdens, and that starts by giving access to each other's lives. Being humble enough and honest enough to say, I need Jesus, surprise, I need Jesus, and I need you. I need you to help me because I can't do this on my own. I wasn't meant to do this on my own. We carry our connections with others. We carry our ultimate means of escape through the church fellowship and through our unshakable faith in Jesus. Oftentimes how God is going to deliver you is to drive you into the fellowship, to drive you to each other for support, for encouragement, protection. But ultimately, our faith is unshakable in Jesus. So Peter finishes his, ex his exhortation with a glory-filled reminder and then a doxology ascribing all the, saving and all the saving and sustaining power to Jesus Christ. You can look at verse uh, 
Uh, let's see, in t 10 and 11 there. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. All power to Him forever! Exclamation point. Amen. Christian, know this. Know that God, in His magnificent kindness, He has called you... He has called you to share in His eternal glory because of what Jesus has accomplished for you. Uh, through your faith, you are established in Him. And He will share His eternal glory with you. Real suffering may come to you, yes. Real suffering may come, as it did for Jesus. But know that none of it goes unnoticed. And all you endure is acknowledged. And God Himself, here's the promise, God Himself will restore you. God Himself will support you. God Himself will strengthen you. And then, on that great and glorious day when justice finally and fully comes, and God sets the world to right, He will place you on a firm foundation, forever established in the presence of our risen Savior. So yes, indeed, all power to Him forever. The author and finisher of our faith, our creator and sustainer, who will on that day uphold and heal us. He will strengthen our frames and dry all of our tears. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, give us vigilance and, and hope. Lord, help us become a people who are increasingly aware of both the enemy's work, but also of your faithfulness. God, may we be more and more aware that there is an enemy at work with the intention of destroying our souls, of driving us far from you, and on the way, bringing pain and suffering, rejection and loss. But God, may we hold fast, cling to the reality that our souls are, 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 are safe in you that you are greater, and that you create us, but you also sustain us. You've called us to yourself, and you will lead us safely home. So may our faith be unshakable, our faith in Jesus Christ. God, make us smart, make us wise, make us patient, give us self-control. Help us be aware of the activities of the enemy but also to see clearly the ways that we're inviting attack sometimes through our carelessness, through our sin habits, through our lack of discipline. God, drive us toward Jesus that we would understand that you've given us all that is required to live a life of faithfulness, to live a life of righteousness. So God, may your Holy Spirit have a, have a just run of the place in our life, strengthening us, teaching us the, the, the right and the good way to live. Help us see the ways that we've been sloppy. We've been cooking in our shelters. We've been leaving food <laughs> laying around and the bears are on the loose. And we've got to be careful. God, help us to live uh, disciplined lives with spiritual disciplines that lead to fruitfulness and to that free us from fear. That yes, the enemy may attack, but nothing that happens shakes us. Nothing shakes our faith. God, I pray that for me and I pray that for my friends. I pray that for my family. Lord, be glorified. Help me understand that 
My job is to be vigilant and to be steadfast in hope. So as I go out from here, I pray that I'd be on the lookout for the works of the enemy, but I'd also be quick to look to you, to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And may you, in that endeavor, give me strength, and may you be glorified. I make this prayer in Jesus' name. I'm going to take a moment or two to just pray, pray and to process this. Lay these things before the Lord. Help Him see, help him, uh, allow Him to lay, help you see the ways you've been inviting the attack. Maybe you've not, not been trusting in the, the saving work of Christ in your life. Vigilance and hope. Hold these two words up to Christ and say, Hey, Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, Help me see, help me understand, and help me grow for your glory and for my good in Jesus' name. So make the most of this opportunity.